Are you okay, sniper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded uh get some action going on there. <laughs> no, it was uh it was actually the wire to my headphones. Ah. You know, those headphones are the only piece of equipment that we actually have here on the Going in Circles. Big and I don't even use them, clearly, because the wire I mean, just... we're not really that far from two soup cans with a string attached to them. <laughs> we're really close. <laughs> we're putting all our money <laughs> in, into... Hey man, it's 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 all going into research and development, R and D. That's what I was gonna say, R and D, baby, <laughs> R and D. Well, <clears throat> this was a uh, a relatively quiet week, considering <laughs> kind of major racing really was at Kentucky Downs, and and don't get me wrong, I love Kentucky Downs. Uh, I did really well there, but. Uh, well, I did really well there when I was training. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Betting-wise, if it wasn't for the Learjet, I would have not done well at all. But oh, thank you, Learjet. Um, and now just, we buy a Learjet. Right? Doesn't doesn't it seem like like the races there just kind of like you just take them with a grain of salt? Yeah, because it's 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 like it's the results are are always weird and and I think I told you this maybe it was last week or maybe we we were talking about just texting that it's like none of the horses that win there kind of run back they don't it, it's not like I guess maybe the meat is just too short or whatever but it's always strange I mean it's cool the betting is cool because you know there's full fields and you know it's turf. Everybody it's likes different. You know, it's it, it right. It is I mean, different. It's like the all the weird style. things that people kind of complain about, like the camera angles and oh, horse. I, I remember are... I, I ran a horse. I think the first horse I ever ran there, and uh, Phil Hauswald had a horse named Middlesex Drive, who I think his last start was the Breeders' Cup. He was a pretty good horse, and this was when like Breeders' Cup type horses t- didn't run at Kentucky Downs. Um, and I can't remember the name of the horse I had, but we were leading and I was watching from New York city OTB. I, I was, I had horses in New York and, and, uh, I had horses in Kentucky and we were leading up the stretch and I thought <laughs> we won. And all of a sudden, you know, they went to the next <laughs> camera angle. <laughs> it's like, oops. Hey, what happened? <laughs> and of course at the real wire, Middlesex drive was leading, but, uh, yeah, and it was a lot different back then. I don't believe that they had a tote board or it was like a, like, you know, you ever see the races from out west, like Centennial or in Idaho, or, and they, <laughs> that they use the, uh, the tote no, board. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Calder, the end of Calder, they had that. <laughs> yeah. They had but, the um, guy, he's, uh, he was perched on that, what's it called, the, that, Portable, the cameraman. They, um, you know, it's it's come a long, long ways. Obviously, it's uh, uh, it's a whole different, uh, crazy. 
I, th- I think I, I was thinking, I think I went five stakes there. And I think I only ran in like seven of them. Damn. Uh, and one of them was uh, the night sky who was, I think he was second. And that was when the Kentucky cup turf, which was a mile and a half was like the biggest <laughs> race they had. Um, and, and Jonathan Shepard beat me. It might have been like with, with anticipation maybe. Oh, um, but um you know, the money now is crazy, and I think I won an allowance race there, and I, I'm pretty sure the pot was 27000 <laughs> It's not 100 <laughs> and, uh, Back then, it was it was like, you know, less than the other Kentucky tracks, or at least it was less than Churchill and uh, and Keeneland, but now it's, it's nuts, and I mean, they have VIP sections, and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting meat. It's a week long. It's, uh, you know, they have low takeout. You know, they have some bizarre decisions. The, the state vet doesn't seem to do a very good job. Uh, <laughs> but you know, that's, wait, that's that, that's not that's not Kentucky Downs' fault. It's uh, no. Yeah. Got one gripe though with uh, Gulfstream Park West slash Calder when you lost a nose that day. It's a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you text and the and the and the race caller, I think it was Chris Griffin called it, and I was like, "How did he call that? There's no way." And it went official like in two seconds, and I'm still upset about that. Yep, and um, you were right. You texted me and said, "I think you won that race." Look at the photo. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. And uh, yeah, we had we had actually won the race, but. Uh, that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it was kind of quiet. Uh, I mean, it's almost like uh, once the big meets end, you know, Del Mar and Saratoga, now they kind of take a little bit of a time off. I mean, Los ran, but uh, <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> no, right? It, it's it's kind of a be fairplex. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's about the only thing noteworthy that came out of um, Los Al was the jockey standing up for the walker. Oh man, which which was... in Hong Kong would have got him probably put taken away in cuffs and some other tracks that would have got him a year, six months, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to guess that it's probably not going to be uh, a substantial penalty, and and I I don't think that he. I mean, I, listen, I don't know the guy. That's just conjecture on my point, but I, I don't think he did it on purpose because obviously it was so obvious. I think he just misjudged um, the line. Someone said that there is. Yeah, he rides at night, right? He rides the, the quarter horses. There's like, like a there's like a placing judges or, or like stand not too far from the wire on the inside. And I guess it might get, I guess it's happened before jockeys have got that confused with the wire, but. But, you know, either way, it's still, um, you know, we can't have that. And that's got to be a substantial penalty. I mean, at least. It seems like, you know, for a jockey, that's like rule number one of Fight Club. (laughs) Know where the wire is. (laughs) You know, Goldstream, and and I see this because obviously Goldstream has 12 months a year, unlike Keeneland, which which has a short stretch too. I mean, Keeneland has the the mile 16 finish and, 
than the the regular finish and Gulfstream has that as well but I've seen it happen at Gulfstream quite a few times oh usually usually it's they ride to the second finish line right they keep riding right right very rarely do do, uh does anyone um you know pull up early it's usually the other way but uh um it's just a, you know, I mean, we can't have this. It's just a, a bad look, and you know, I mean, what else is there to say, right? <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> just, what can you say? Even the jockey, what could, what could he say? He's like, I, I just made a mistake. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do. It's California. Nobody knows what the hell's going on there. I, I saw. A, uh, the racing board is considering punishing trainers whose horses break down or get injured. You can't do that. Which seems, uh, unless there is some proof of, um, like if if a person knowingly raced a horse with a broken leg or something like that, and and there is a trainer who uh, just was given a hearing by by Naira that did do that, and it wasn't Baffert. He did run a horse knowing that that horse had a fracture and, and bragged about it and threw the x-rays at the people who claimed the horse. And, of course, what happened? Oh, virtually nothing. They did their investigation, which was nonsense. But um, in that case, yes, he should get severely penalized. But, like, to think that people don't understand that 99% of the people, when their horse gets hurt, they feel terrible about it. Nobody's happy about it. Yeah, there, there are some guys who are just, you know, dirtbags that don't care. But most people do. And, um, I mean, I was fortunate enough not to have that happen very often. And, you know, we've talked about it before. Part of the reason was probably because I, I didn't push the envelope like some people do. Um, and there's others, other trainers too, that don't have that record of carnage, like some of the, the names that we know, right. You you know who, who we're talking about mm-hmm. and it just makes it difficult when, I mean, they're, they're admitted that, uh, you know, admittedly that they're not really even sure what they're going to do. I mean, it's kind of a, Hey, we're gonna have a meeting. Talk about this. Uh, why they wouldn't talk about it first, and then, you know, say that uh, this was what we talked about would, you know, would seem to be a better path. But uh, sometimes people with with government jobs need to justify their uh, their employment, so they you know have to tell everybody what they're doing because otherwise people think they're not doing anything. And, and in a lot of cases, they don't. They they would be better off doing nothing. Right. <laughs> doing nothing instead of screwing things up. Um, you know, the whole idea that uh, like in New Jersey where there was a uh, a picture. Oh boy, yeah. Of a jockey that seems to be holding an electrical device. And uh, props to Swip Hitter. You, you were the first one to, to break the news. Ray Pollock just covered it today, four days later. Um, 
but uh, you know the New Jersey Racing Commission and the uh, stewards are technically not allowed to talk to the press, which which just seems ludicrous. Well, I mean, they have to talk through a spokesman. I mean, these are government employees; they work for the state. They're not. Why are they sacred? Right. That's what I don't understand. Is why? Why? What's What's with all the hidden? They should be required to to make announcements. Right. It should be public, as public as they can make it. Transparency, jerks in Jersey. Yeah. Your your state racing commission is still a travesty. To have a named. Uh, a full commission. It's a joke. Murphy, what are you doing? <laughs> Just because you show up at the Meadowlands doesn't mean that you, you don't still suck. Though it was nice that you showed up at the Meadowlands. A backhand compliment. No, but it's st- I'm serious. It's like, no, well, I... why haven't... I mean, how can you justify not having a full nine-member board. And well, why, why would they put, put a couple members place. to have a clue about what the hell's going on? Well, why would they put that in place? I don't understand. I mean, I, I kind of do, but why would they put that in place where they can't, you know, can't say anything? Or Who knows? It's, it's, probably, it's... Pro- probably because <clears throat> the, uh, the lawyers, because it always comes down to the lawyers. Sorry if you're a lawyer, but it's true. What, what's, the, what's the old saying that nobody likes lawyers until you need one? That's correct. <laughs> but um, they're probably worried that maybe he, uh, he ace one of the stewards might say something that uh, if someone appealed and went to court, that, that could be used against. I don't know. It just, it just seems, I mean, most of the time when we hear from racing officials in jurisdictions where there are allowed to talk to the press, we don't get a whole lot. Anyway. No, we don't get anything anyway. But it seems to me like if the truth was being told, really, what could you really get in deep water with? Yeah, I know it's it's <clears throat> it's an excuse. It's just like an excuse that Churchill uses every time they do anything that they know people aren't going to like. Oh well, you know we have corporate responsibility. Blah blah blah. Come on, stop with that, please. Just stop. Speaking of which, I mean, Arlington is supposedly, uh, you know, technic- technically there there's a uh, a three uh, there's three uh, bids that are they're in the running. Though I, I, knowing the way Churchill operates, this thing has been done for a year, and this is, is all just show. Didn't they name like didn't didn't somebody like either the football team or somebody named like a partner with a casino. Recently. Yeah. Right after the official announcement that they were putting the property up for bid though, that was kind of, you know, a known, uh, you know, it wasn't a big surprise. Everyone knew <clears> it. Um, and then it was kind of leaked that the bears were going to make a bid. And then it was kind of confirmed by the bears. They made a bid. Uh, it was announced that the bears and Rivers Casino, which Churchill is famously a, a major partner in, uh, had come to an agreement uh, with some sort of uh, sponsorship. So, it, it <laughs> and they're it's, right on the wall, man. <laughs> you know, now I know that the Bears, the people, the Chicago people, have told me had said that that they're, the Bears have been feuding with 
um, the stadium, you know, the people that, that run the stadium, um, I guess, I guess the city of Chicago about uh, renovations, about building a new stadium, uh, you know, for years and that they've threatened to leave before. And, and usually it's just a smoke screen to try to get something right. I mean, they use it as leverage, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think that, I mean, we're hoping that racing, I mean, no one wants to see Arlington go. I mean, let's face it. We no one wants to see it go. No. But I don't know, and I've not heard any feasible plans to save racing there, to continue racing there, that doesn't include some sort of alternate source of revenue to raise purses to the point where they can be competitive to mention you know it's going to take a a lot of money to fix the track Uh, the barn area hasn't been taken care of in a long time so so you're not talking about uh, i mean yes the grandstand is in great shape and um, obviously the turf course is good and the barns aren't like all falling down or anything but money needs to be put into the the facility and I mean, the way it's currently um, structured, that they're just not competitive racing. I mean, the racing there is, is pretty is pretty low on the on the rung of uh, you know racing class. And uh, you know, you, you you spend all that money to buy that facility, and obviously, everyone's got some plans to uh, to utilize some of the excess acreage that they have for something. I mean, but still you're talking about a lot of money and one thing that casinos sports does even more in sports betting slots especially does is generate revenue um and it's easy revenue it's not it's not difficult it's it's not complicated um and it's uh you know i i just don't see how you'll be able to do it there and and maybe there's a plan maybe someone's come up with some sort of idea but uh, I don't know. Very interesting. Very. If they can pull this off, if someone, if anybody could pull this off, I'd, I'd be amazed. Yeah, I, 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 I feel the same. I just, uh, and I want to be surprised. I mean, I want it to work. Yeah. I just don't know. I mean, it, it's like having been there a few weeks ago, um, you know, I've been there up there a couple times this summer and it's just, it's almost surreal that, that they would, <laughs> they would blow that building up. You know, it's, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, insane. It's so like, nice. Yeah. It's, it's just such a nice place and it's a great place to watch races and the paddock is nice. And, uh, I mean, you know, anyone who's been there knows, well, knows where I believe me. It's uh you missed out. It, it's really a great place to go. It's a great it's a great place to go go to the races. And I know that a lot of money has moved um you know away from on track, but we still have to have some sort of on track element to get people in the door. I mean, it's hard to uh, to attract people to racing that, that without them ever being exposed to live racing. I think that McKinsey did a study that said something around um, 70% of people that, um, you know, said that live racing <clears throat> was the 
the major key to them uh, becoming a race fan was 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 going to the races, uh, and and someone you know usually a family member is the one who brought them. I mean, the uh, DRF on Twitter the other day asked that question. You know, how did you get it first get involved with racing? So many good stories. Yeah, and that's it's one of the things that we've talked about about like when tracks close and areas like Boston uh, have no live racing how difficult it's going to be to to create new fans because they're just not even getting exposed. And, and, and listen, no difference between bad racing and good racing. Um, you know, when I, we were little kids, my dad would bring us to, uh, uh, like, local baseball games. You know, uh, Glens Falls had a team, and they were, like, short season A. I mean, it was, you know... Uh, I mean, like ninety-seven percent of the guys weren't making the major leagues, right? It was played in these these little rinky-dink places, and um, you know, but it was still pro baseball, and like we thought it was great. Yeah, it's like um, the Tortugas um, by my house. My my daughter thinks they're like the best thing she's ever seen. Right, and you don't have any frame of reference, right? Right, and and you know they they do it up. They have the little mascots and the fireworks, and you know, but there's nobody ever in the stadium. <laughs> I mean, you can walk up any day, buy a ticket for like 10 bucks and you're good. Um, but she loves it. She thinks it's the best thing. She's like, she, she absolutely adores it. And, you know, she has no idea. They're not really all that great, but it's a fun time. They do things and she can get cotton candy. So it, it's, it works out for everybody. Listen, man, any endeavor, that includes cotton candy can't be all. Oh, they also have a slush truck there that they can make slushes and stuff. That's my favorite. So I, I went to a uh, <laughs> I went to a tugboat festival the other day. Uh, what? Waterford, New York, Saturday morning. On purpose, sir? No, I kind of stumbled onto it. Oh, okay. They had apple sauce. Slushies and maple, um, maple cotton candy. Oh boy, I wouldn't have left. Yeah, talk about like sugar heaven, bro. Oh man, water. That's, like, that's one thing. I Waterford is home, home to my, my former basketball college basketball teammate Steve O'Brien. Oh, oh, Obi, who played about five games before he disappeared. <laughs> we had a bunch of those guys on. They were all world in practice, but in the game, they just couldn't do anything. Back then, you you could actually fail out. At, I mean, now if you're eligible at the beginning of the season in like the fall semester, you're eligible for the entire um, year. Back then, yeah. you could still fail out at, at half. And uh, I remember say hearing that. He uh, he he didn't not get the required grade point average. He didn't have a grade point average at all. <laughs> yeah, he, had, in he, negative. Had five incom- he had five incompletes. <laughs> <clears throat> that dude didn't go to class not one. <laughs> he, he didn't go at all. <laughs> oh man, maybe he was driving a tugboat. <laughs> it's one thing I do miss about up north is uh, you know this time of year, like late September, October, they got those uh, state fairs 
stuff like that going on. Fair food. Yeah, I I mean we have one here. I think the the Volusia County Fair is in November. Just doesn't hit the same. Yeah. The food is they great. Have Don't the, get... uh, the the Broward County just... Fair at Gulfstream, and it screws everything up, man. Oh, <laughs> it's Can't it's park. Tor- it's it's torturous there when when that's there. Oh man, it's I, not I even can... good. Well, here they have their own separate fairgrounds, so it's like out in the middle of nowhere in Deland, and you know. The food is great. I, I can't. Um, probably we'll have to talk Sabria off of not getting on any rides because they're all pieced together with a bolt that somebody just put in there one day. So, so when I was working at Yonkers, when I actually I was working at Yonkers before I got out of school, um, <clears throat> we had the Westchester County Fair there in the summertime. And they basically built the fair around the racetrack, like all the way around it. And um, that's pretty cool. When you see the guys that come in to build the rides, <laughs> and usually by like three o'clock, they're laying on the ground in the shade, like drunk. <laughs> you can really start to, to question the wisdom of, of, uh, of allowing those people to build like things that involve steel and high <laughs> rates of speed. And I was thinking to myself, I will never ever get on a ride at a state fair again because of that. Not that I was big on getting on rides anyways. Well, but, there's uh, it was be- crazy. The Westchester County Fair was like, it's like, like they get like a million people, some ridiculous number of people there. It was like crazy packed. And we ran the races right through it. They actually took half of the paddock. Now, in the harness, for people that don't know, horses check into the paddock um, usually like four hours before the race, and they're assigned stalls there because the, the harness horses usually warm up two or three times before they run. Uh, after, Well, they took half the paddock away, and because each state fair is required to have animal exhibits and things like that. So we lost like half of the, the, the paddock <laughs> and people were coming through the paddock when we were racing. I mean, it, it was That's the so craziest dope. thing. <laughs> and a there's a great story. There's a great story and it's too long to tell here, but uh, about one of Mr. Rooney's cows got loose. Oh boy. So you have to have a certain amount of cows, certain amount of this, certain amount of that, right? So (laughs) (laughs) I might as well tell it. Um, We set up these temporary stalls with like, um, like it's hard to explain. That's the toughest thing. If you haven't ever been to a paddock, it's like a, it's not like a stall stall. Um, it's like a stall, like when you see a paddock in a, at a racetrack where they saddle, like the saddling stalls, it's kind of like that, except, you know, trotters can be tied on cross ties and they'll stand there. Um, obviously thoroughbreds would be a little different story, but what they did was they built these, these slats so that in the front of the stall, so the cows weren't coming out of the stalls until they left, you know, they would go in when they got there and then they would stay in there. And then when they would leave, they would come out. So they just kind of like pinned them in, right? <laughs> so, so I get the word that uh, 
and remember, I'm a low man on the totem pole, right? And, and I'm like 20 years old, and I'm assistant racing secretary, and, uh, working seven days a week, like in the morning, noon, and night. It was just crazy. So I get the word that the cows are coming, and these are Mr. Rooney's cows from his farm. He had a, a farm in Maryland, Shamrock Farms. And actually, he races his thoroughbreds um, under that name, Shamrock Farms. So if you see Shamrock Farms, that's, that's, that's Tim Rooney. You know, his his family owns the well, they own the what the the Palm Beach Kennel Club, and they own the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, the guy's supposed to show up like six o'clock, between six and seven. Now, racing started at eight, so I was like, "All right, this is good." You know, they'll they'll get them between six and seven. We'll get them, we'll get them put away, and and uh, <laughs> that'll be one less thing to worry about, right? So. Six o'clock comes, seven o'clock comes, eight o'clock comes, nine o'clock comes. And of course, you know, we don't have cell phones or anything like that. So you're just kind of waiting. So I'm running back and forth between the grandstand, which is not that close. <laughs> and I was going to say, that's a, that's a ways. Right. And uh, I got a guy there. My guy already was there. And um, we're waiting and we're waiting and waiting. So. I'm thinking, man, maybe this guy broke down. I don't know what happened, but this is this is kind of getting crazy. So it's like 11 o'clock, right? And I get a call from security. Uh, a truck with, with cows just pulled into to the backside, and they're lost. And I'm like, well, at least he's here. So I run down. I find them, and they got like a guy that looked like skinny Elvis driving the thing, right? <laughs> and he's got the the traditional like trucker's shirt, a stereotypical trucker shirt. He's got the the you know the um the plaid long sleeve shirt, button down shirt, except instead of buttons, he's got snaps with like pearls on them, right? Oh man. So he's got hair all slick back and, and this guy probably weighed about ninety seven pounds. <laughs> so He's like, well, where's all, where's y'all ramp, right? So he's thinking that like we have a ramp, like a cow run, you know, um, which is decidedly different than what we use for horses, which is just kind of a hill, more or less. And the trucks back up, you know, to the hill, and we put a little thing across, and the horse come off. Well, a cattle truck is way higher than a horse van, way higher. So. The, whore, the the cows are like, I don't know, five feet off the ground. So <laughs> we have this issue that even backing into the paddock, the there was a ledge there and it was only about two feet high, maybe three feet high. So we had about a two and a half foot drop. So the guy's like, well, cows aren't going to get off on, 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 you know, on that. They're not going to jump. So we were like, man, what are we going to do? And of course, it's like 1130 by now, right? And I got I got my little skeleton crew of guys. The races are over. The last set of horses is cooling out. Um, and of course, I've been working since like 630 that morning. So we decide that we're going to build a ramp. <laughs> so maintenance is closed. And... Uh, <laughs> We're, we're just trying to find things to build this ramp, right? So we get like this wood, and it seemed pretty sturdy. And, and, 
And in my genius <laughs> engineering mode, I said, hey, you know, we should we should make sure the cows are probably every we should double up on this plywood, right? <laughs> so we took we took uh, a bunch of bales of straw and we put the plywood on top of it and kind of made a ramp. Right? Now the ramp was at like a 45 degree angle. And I have a I have an animal science degree, but I don't know shit about cows. I really don't. I, I don't, you know. The only thing I know about cows is how to cook them. So uh, the guy's looking at it all skeptical, you know, and <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't think this is going to work. I was like, you got a better idea, buddy. And he's, <laughs> I said, you know, Mr. I'm supposed to be there at six and you got here at 11. Um, so uh, and, and I, I, he never did say why he was late, but I think he went to the wrong truck. I really do believe he that. went to Meadowlands. I don't know where he went to, but he went to the wrong track because he said he was at a track and it wasn't the right track. And I, I don't know. God knows where he went. Who knows where he went? I mean, there's no real tracks near Yonkers. He's five hours away, you know? Like, anyways. <clears throat> um, so he's like, well, How are we going to get him off? I said, I don't know. You're the cow guy, right? Well, I'll get the prod out. I go, Great. You know, because a cattle prod in a thir- in a harness racing paddock is like the most, boy. you know, it's like the worst possible thing you can have. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to look great, you know. So I, I made sure all the people, all the, the, the people <laughs> were, were cleared out of the, um, out of the, uh, the paddock, the heart, the, you know, the horse people. So the guy opened the thing up, the cows are looking at the ramp like skeptically. Or is it skeptically as a cow can look at a ramp? That's pretty skeptical. So the redneck guy goes in the truck and I hear him getting in and 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 um he's kinda like, you know, yipping yeah, 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 and the cows aren't moving. All of a sudden I hear zap, 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 right? He's zapping the cows. Oh my god. Like trying to get him the, the first cow, the you know, the cows from behind are pushing the first cow, like, you know, trying to, they're all trying to get away from the, the guy. Finally, the first cow says, ah, screw it. He jumps. He literally jumps. And believe me, cows really can't jump. He, he, hits, <laughs> he hits the ramp, right? The ramp, like, completely gets destroyed. Like, first cow through, bang. <laughs> he, the plywood snaps in half. The cow goes, like, does, like, a 360. And lands on his feet, like the most unbelievable thing you ever saw in your life. If I had a, believe me, if I had a, a cell phone camera and I took a video of that, the cow like, like diving on and, and that's doing like a 360 and landing on his feet. Like he landed on the run. This is Jordan. He's Michael. He's like Bo Jackson. <laughs> right. And he's running. So my guys who have brooms in their hand to try to steer the cows, you know, <laughs> they run the other way. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame them. Like it was a wild bear or something. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, like, you know, because we're going to try to, like, you know, guide them into the stall and then, you know, quickly close it up. And, uh, and I got all guys that are like grooms, you know. So they're doing this in their spare time to, to make a little extra cash. So the guy. Elvis is still in the truck and he's zapping, bap, zap, zap, zap. So these cows are like, it's like suicide, right? Now the ramp's broken. It's just, it's just a couple bales of straw and they just start jumping out. And they're, I was going to say, it must have came pouring out of there. They're coming out and they're going all <laughs> over the place, milk. right? 
and the guys are all yelling and screaming like they're in, they're terrorized by the cows. And the cows are more scared of anything, right? And they're cows. They don't do anything to you. I mean, they might run you over if you... But so the cows are coming out of there like all over the place and they're they're skidding and, and it's like, it's just total chaos, right? <laughs> so I thought they had, they had closed the, the door to the front of the paddock because I had actually asked security to close it. And of course they didn't. So we're trying to get the cows like semi-organized and the cows are mooing like crazy and running around like, like chickens with their head cut off. Right. Because they just got zapped and just dove. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm probably going to get fired. Mr. Rooney's going to come and see his cows and he's probably going to, you know, have a, have a cow. Anyways, we start getting them in, in the stalls, right? So eight cows came off and we only had seven cows in the stalls. Oh boy. We're missing a cow. He thought he was a trotter. So (laughs) we're like, where's the cow? I think he left. What do you mean he left? I think he's out on the training track. And I'm like, yes. God. So the training track was was kind of if you left the path went straight you would you would hit the training track. Uh, if you went left you would go down a hill um, because you know Yonkers is called the old hilltop for a reason it's on a hill. Well beyond the training track was a place <laughs> where they would dump the manure. Oh and man. What, what they had was that the tractor trailers would come in and they had about a, a 25 foot drop where they would take the manure up to the top of the drop and, and just kind of push it into the, uh, the trucks. The trucks had open tops. So they would push the manure from the top into the trucks with, with uh, uh, front end loaders. So there's essentially a cliff on the other side of this training track. And now it's about 1 a.m., right? 1, 1 in the morning. And behind Yonkers is a residential area. Yeah. It's the hood, man. So it's pitch black. And, and it was about a three-eighths of a mile, or it might even been a half a mile training track. So it was a big it was it was a it was you know it wasn't like tiny and it's pitch black can't see anything so like what are we gonna do i I don't know let's get everybody get their car and drive over and then put the (laughs) lights on so and maybe we can see the cow so it's like well how are we gonna get it back in the in the it's gonna run away so like i don't know get a get a rope you know or, or shank well Again, it's like one o'clock in the morning, and I, I don't know. We we got some kind of uh, we went. Someone went down to a barn and got to uh, took down a line. Someone had a clothesline. You know, they they would do the long <laughs> thing. <laughs> so we stole their clothesline. <laughs> we make this kind of this lasso, right? <laughs> like we're gonna catch the cow. <laughs> uh, so we get the cars and we line them up. And we turn the lights on, and 
like you see a shadow go flying by and there he is right so one guy gets i'm gonna find i'm gonna i'm gonna drive up to him and i'm gonna i'm like you know i'm gonna steer him into the the um into the paddock which sounds like a logical idea until you realize that you know the training track is an, uh, a little bit elevated and it, it wasn't like a parking lot you know it was a racetrack so uh, we're, we're driving around we think we see him and we, you know the cow's running now he's like terrified i remember this was like 30 years ago so if anyone wants to call peter the cops <laughs> so we're having Jan Rosenblatt that's whose car he had a Dodge Dart right and he was a trainer he trained like two horses so he was in for you know to make a couple extra dollars so we're, we're trying to find this cow we're driving around the lights and you know when the lights are on when you look into the lights and it's pitch black like it kind of blinds you right so it's almost worse in a, in a way unless the, the lights are to your back so <laughs> we're driving around trying to find the cow. <laughs> we keep kind of like glancing and maybe seeing him. And and all of a sudden, two cop cars come up the hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> no sirens on, but their lights on. So I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. So we drive over there, and the cops think everybody's drunk, right? <laughs> they think, like, guys got drunk, and they're driving around the training track because someone apparently from the houses had called and said, hey, there's someone driving around the training track, and they're yelling, and <laughs> it must be, you know, these guys must be all, you know, drinking or something. So the cops, the Yonkers cops get there, and they're like, what the hell's going on? And, like, there's a loose cow, and he looks at me like, a cow? I was like, yeah, you know, because of the the... the, the the county fair and well how did he get out i said oh man it's a long story <laughs> so he's like well how can we help you i said i don't know just shoot him accidentally and say it was a mistake <laughs> and the guy's like are you serious i was like no i'm not serious <laughs> so it's like i don't know you guys got those spotlights right and he goes yeah yeah it's all right well let's try to find a stupid cow because we can't just let him leave out here so mr rooney owns the damn thing and he'll, he'll he's gonna go nuts so the cops are like, all right, all right, we'll get the spotlights and, and, and we'll go slow and try to find them. So with the help of the cops, we found the cow who at this point was just exhausted. Right? I was going to say, he must have ran for <laughs> Yeah, he was just like wore out. <laughs> so we, we, we had the cow and we, we put the, the rope lasso on him and, and we, we had two brooms to kind of like guide him, you know. And it took us about 25 minutes just to get him from the training track back into the paddock. It's out of state, man. And we finally did. And it was it was like 3.15 a.m. by the time we finally got this cow. I'd have been so upset. Into the... Because um, you probably had to be back at 6. I I had to be back at 6. <laughs> because I actually volunteered to come in early. Because I was assuming that the cow guy was going to come at 6 o'clock at instead of like 11 o'clock and of course i didn't know that it would take four and a half hours to get the cows in the stalls that's brutal man <laughs> that's a good story yeah. and there's parts i'm leaving out i mean it's just it's like at one point we thought the cow was gonna was was running toward, on the highway no we thought he was running towards the the, the cliff so one guy started yelling, he's trying to commit suicide. <laughs> like, guys, this is not funny. <laughs> you know? These are Mr. Rooney's cows. 
it, it was, uh, of course, the story, you know, got around within, <laughs> but by, by noon the next day, we, we, we had chased a cow down, you know, to Manhattan and, and rode him back. You know, <laughs> the stories and the legends always grow. Oh, I see. I would have co-signed that one. Oh, but yeah, man, that was, uh. When I signed up to be assistant racing secretary, I never thought that I would be driving around in, at two o'clock in the morning with the cops trying to find a cow. Doing cow work. Yep. Cowboy Chuck Simon. Thankfully, none of the chickens got loose. Oh! Yeah, you'd still be chasing them. They had pigs, they had chickens. It was, it was crazy. But it, it was nuts. I mean... Like to to watch the races during that time period. I'm sure on YouTube there's there's probably some races because we used to have a lot of races on TV. It's funny people act like you know now is the only time they ever had race on TV, but I mean people that lived in the New York area remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, they used to have the WOR used to do the Saturday night. They had the OTB, you know, Stan Bergstein and Stan Bergstein. Uh, <laughs> New York New York Sports Channel did a lot of races oh yeah and they, they covered all the big races jody mcdonald um it was it was uh it was it was it was interesting working then working there then i mean it's a lot of things have changed dramatically but uh yeah like no passing lane <sighs> I wasn't fond of that move, by the way. No. Oleg Cassini. It's like the best trip was, you could ever get. He, he was driving in amateur races, Oleg Cassini. And, of course, I had no idea who Oleg Cassini is. And oh, who, I'm like, why is everybody making such a big deal about that guy? You don't know who he is? I said, no, I have no idea who he is. He's like a famous fashion designer. I was like, oh. Huh. Huh. <laughs> yeah, he had, he, had nice, uh, he had nice colors. He designed them himself. Mike Torres came and drove one day in a celebrity amateur race. Remember really? the picture for the Red Sox and the Yankees? Yeah. 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 He let me hold his. He told me. He gave me his World Series ring and said, hold this for me. I think it was like nine pounds. It was It was big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was cool. I couldn't do it now. I, I couldn't work. Of course, we ran an insane schedule. Yonkers was running. I was going to say they ran every day except one, right? In the summertime, we were running six nights a week. Uh, Sundays were off. It was Monday through Saturday. And then they added Sunday night racing. Hmm. Um, so we were racing seven nights a week. Then we get this memo that we're going to have a Tuesday card. And, and, or a doubleheader. And I, I was naive enough to think that that meant, oh, we're going to race <laughs> Tuesday afternoon instead of Tuesday night. Because Naira used to run six days a week, too. Naira ran Wednesday through Monday. Uh, all year, Mountain, Aqueduct, Belmont, it ran all year, six days. So uh, someone up in management decided that they were going to take advantage of Naira not running by running a card in the afternoon and a card at night, which made uh, eight cards in seven days. Brutal. That was brutal. It was, it was tough. I mean, it's hard when you have... <laughs> You know, when you're working every night, uh, because we would draw entries in the morning and then we work at night. So you kind of split, you know, and it just got to be 
Like everybody was zombies. <laughs> Didn't know what day it was. <laughs> um, guys like guys like Hervé. Hervé was driving from Roosevelt. You know, he, he lived out in Westbury, New York, out in Long Island. He would drive to Freehold every every morning. Or he had a driver actually. Um, and he would drive at Freehold all day. And then he would come to Yonkers, drive there all night, and then drive back to Long Island. Like he I think Freehold was racing five days a week back then. And he was getting it in, huh? Oh man. It was it was nuts. It really was nuts. Now you see Yonkers doesn't even race on the weekends. Friday nights. No, everything's changed. Everything's changed. Timonium races. Uh, the other day, uh, I turned on Timonium, and they have a fair that goes on uh, during that, that race. Oh, yeah, you see that big Ferris wheel every time. I'm surprised more horses don't duck from it. So it isn't. I wonder what the, the noise level is over there. I don't know. I've always wondered that how because they seem like they're right up on it. <laughs> you know, it's funny that um, like you never really know what a, what a thoroughbred's going to duck from. Like sometimes it'll be the most the slightest thing that you didn't even notice that they'll like eye up, you know and then other things you think will bother them, and they just go by it like it's nothing. Just different horses, you know. Different horses have different things. Different strokes for different folks. Yes. Oh, you know what? What caught my eye um, was that uh, non-DQ. I think it was at the Cura with St. Mark's Basilica, just going, basically taking a right-hand turn in mid-stretch. And they didn't even take the horse down, which was crazy. That, that was that was nuts. I mean, he basically <clears throat> herded Tarwana, who won the Breeders' Cup turf last year, to the yes. point nearing the wire where she was almost off the racetrack. Right. You saw the path at yeah. the end. And, and she had to be like maybe a couple of feet from it. And I was like, holy. And there was a photographer standing there, like not even phased either. Yeah, she could she could have claimed foul against the photographer for uh, impeding her. Yeah, that horse came out like a long way. For I a long... just don't know like why people. Uh, and I, I know Pat Cummings loves loves the the category ones, but at some point when you heard a horse fifteen paths, you're clearly taking advantage of that, and and it, it, the, the horse who gets beat in that spot is is clearly. I don't know how you can say that that doesn't affect the finish of a race. You know, I, I get like people want to be a little bit more liberal about, you know, taking horses or actually more conservative about taking horses, fewer takedowns. And, and I would agree with that. But that was like, I mean, they, they was- came into the past like, and, and, you know, they had the grass cut where they actually, you could see, like, you could line. see the line. Right. <laughs> I mean, they went from, like, the, the third path to, like, the tenth path. And each yeah. path looked like it was big enough for two horses. Anybody that's played top jockey on their phone knows that herding works. Herding does work. 
No, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I have no dog in that fight, but I just, I, mean, I just I, thought I, it was interesting because, you know, like if you go back to this summer or earlier in the summer at Ascot when they took down that horse and put up Wesley Ward. Right. It was, it was, it wasn't near as bad as that. No, I, I agree. I do agree. Not even close. Well, and the other point, you know, someone said, well, you know, they didn't really make that much contact. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the contact doesn't matter. If, if, if you're on the horse that's getting herded, are you going to make a dangerous move to create contact so that you can maybe get moved up? Right, you get dropped. And, and in doing that, what you know, there was a horse on the inside that wasn't exactly stopping. I mean, you know, what if you finish third because you created contact, right? And and then, okay, you get moved up and you play second. So you wound up second anyways. I mean, I, I think that that's a bad, a bad uh, way of looking at it in that making contact um, – a part of the rule makes yeah, it more dangerous. That's a bit much. Makes it more dangerous. Because you need space. You know, the horses need their at least a little bit of a bubble <laughs> to run. Yeah. You know, taking away a horse's space is, is kind of the whole point, you know. That's that's where the infraction begins. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I mean it's uh it's it's tough to um I mean, from my standpoint, it's tough to really justify leaving that horse up. But, you know, they, it's like everything else. You know, in racing, there, there's so many inconsistencies and interpretations of rules are, are so um, varied depending on the person doing the interpreting. And it makes it difficult. And Well, I mean, you know, I know we've talked about this ad, ad nauseum, but, you know, I, I watch... You know, ever since the pandemic and, and racing was taken away um, here for a little time, I started watching and paying attention to Australian racing a lot more. And I can't tell you the last time I saw a horse get taken down. And, mm-hmm. I, and I also don't see a lot of fouls. You know, everybody keeps a straight line. They all pick a line and they go for it. And that's it. Um. So it's it's kind of bizarre the way you know the, the contrast of here where it's like like you you always say it's like bumper cars they just come off the turn and they kind of do whatever just to finish first. It, it's it's such a huge contrast. I, I mean, you hardly ever see stewards inquiries into races in Australia, like hardly ever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, how do they? how are they able to do it? You know, even places like Hong Kong. I mean, I know they have strict rules. That's probably most of it, but I don't know how strict the rules are in Australia, but we're definitely missing something that they have. Yeah. The, you know, the main complaint I have is that nobody in this really be at a change any of the things that we talk about all the time. Um, 
that's really the thing because this is something like we've talked about this a million times. This is something that we can control. We don't need, and, and I don't, I don't buy a lot of the, oh, well, the state rules are different. The only place that the rules are really different is California and, and, and everything in California is screwed up anyways. But most places it's, it's left open to interpretation. So this idea that there's some uh, eye in the sky that's going to like throw the flag follow exact letter of the law that's nonsense that's that's well you don't believe that nonsense. either you know well it's but it's not true it's, it's what you know yeah. excuse that people use but when you look at the rules a lot of it gives most most places gives a wide amount of discretion and they all use the same terms impeding intimidating bumping jostling they all use the same words it, it's not you know they may not be exactly written you know completely like plagiarized but yeah, but you're supposed to get the idea. <laughs> you know, exactly. you, it, it, it can be supposed done. to do and what you're not. <laughs> it's just an excuse. It's just an excuse. Um, but something needs to be done, and that doesn't mean it will because it's racing, and and sadly we uh, we suffer from a lot of. Well, we need to do this, but we never actually do anything. Uh, you know, like trying to get. People keep saying, oh, well, the fall crop's down. Yeah, fall crop's down. What are we doing to make the fall crop uh, go back up? Um, you know, nothing. That's what I want to know. I mean, no, I, we're doing, I, we're, we have a bunch of tweets racers. about it, we, but we it's like, well, what's the micro-tours. action plan here? Right. <laughs> where, where are we going? 97.9 people who buy micro shares don't have enough money to or don't have the wherewithal to breed a single horse. That's what we focus on, though. It's frustrating because it's, um, it needs to be, it needs to be fixed. And I don't know, I don't even know where to start. I mean, we have officials accreditation program. Um, they just give you accreditation. I don't know that they actually, they don't actually have any power to, 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 uh, to change things or fix things, but I think that it needs to start at the education level. Right, the curriculum where, that's where involved. We get the stewards or the people that are going to be stewards on the right, on the same path, on the same, um, you know, th- taking the same tact and, and, and looking at things similar. Say, this is how we want you to do this. I mean, it's a complicated thing because unlike sports, regular sports, uh, there's not a main body, right? There's not a... Um, I mean, look at even New York, you have three stewards and they're all employed by different people. You have a jockey club steward, a Naira steward and a state steward. So what's the point of that? <laughs> right. It, it just the complication makes it makes it difficult. I think in Florida, you have two association stewards and one state steward. And, um, Kentucky, I think, is, is two and one. I'm not positive about that. But it's, it's tough because um, and, and it's not like, listen, we need to fire everybody. You're not saying that. I think a lot of it is that people are using their own interpretation and that's not that that's not there's I, I don't care who you are you shouldn't be using your own interpretation there should be a a generally accepted interpretation and there's always going to be calls that are 50-50 that are borderline that one person's going to see it one way another person's going to see it the other way we get that that that's going to happen it's not like every court you know call is going to be clear cut but to me, there's way too much individualism here, and there's not enough of a uh, standard call. And 
And like I've said before, the first thing that really needs to be done is the jockeys need to be straightened out. They've got to get that situation settled because if the jockeys would ride straight, then there would be a whole lot less incidents. But, you know, like I've said a million times, these are competitive people. They're young people. They're aggressive. They want to win. And they're going to take whatever measure that they can take. They're going to push the limits to what they can do, especially, um, you know, the, the, the most successful guys. And the penalties currently just are, they laugh at them. They laugh at them. And, you know, they, they get days, they get three days. Three days. Can you imagine? You know, three days, three days suspension. It's, it's nothing. Vacation, right? And when they stack all the stakes on one, on you know, on certain days, they're not even missing. And, and I mean, they have the rule where they're allowed to ride the stakes. And I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to like, you know, like blast the jockeys here, but it's the same concept of driving down the the road and having no speed limit. I mean, who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna drive the speed limit? Or, or what the speed limit should be if, if there's no one there to, to give you tickets. And that, that's kind of what we're seeing here. I mean, literally the only time, except in rare occasions, do you, and it's usually like, you know, some small guy. But you don't ever see a jockey getting fined or getting suspended if he wasn't disqualified. And there are plenty of incidents where jockeys are putting other jockeys in, in bad spots and um, it's just, uh, it just needs to be done safer and, you know, you, you eliminate the root cause of the problem. The root is that guys are taking chances and they're, they're, you know, they're hurting because they're allowed to hurt and they're, you know, they're still, they're, like I said, the word race riding is used way, 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 way too often these days. There should be no race riding period. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, like the Australia thing, they, they keep their horses straight as a string. Every once in a while, you see one drift a little bit, but... Well, listen, horses are going to get out. Horses are going to get in. Right. It's it, going to happen. I'm not saying, like, we're, we're going to put... It's just going to be like track and field, you know? We're going to have lanes. <laughs> but the first problem is that there's not any deterrent, and... When there's no deterrent, then you're going to have guys, especially when you're talking about big money. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's... Uh, $100,000 allowance races. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. It's, you know, and, and listen, you're trying to win. I, I, I train a horse. I own a horse. And I'm going to run second. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my jockey. Go ahead. You want to drift a little bit? We're going to run second anyways. Maybe you can, uh, you know... Make something out of nothing. <laughs> Make something out of nothing, and, and and hope hope we, you know, hope we get away with it. Maybe the they're, you know, maybe two of the stewards are going to say, well, you know, it really wasn't that bad. Blah, 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 blah. <sighs> Anyways, so Belmont's got a lot of turf races this weekend. Yes, they do, but not a lot of horses. Not a lot of horses. That's um, good. That is is definitely a problem. I mean, 
you come off, um, you come out of this Kentucky Downs meet where they've massive stakes purses, and of course, the Kentucky Downs purses are are, are very heavily um, enhanced by the Kentucky Development Fund money. So, non-Kentucky breads are running for roughly half which is why you're going to see a lot of horses with uh, IRE and GB and <laughs> racing in Belmont this weekend because they would be racing for half uh, had they run last week. But um, I, I think I, I saw where Con Lima is, is not going to be participating. She's got Dang a it. minor injury of some sort. Um, you know, but... Uh, you know, these were, these were, I get what they were trying to do with these, these races. But um, <laughs> because they're all new. I mean, these are all new races. The, the Jockey Club Oaks Invitational, the Jockey Club Derby Invitational, the Grand Prix American Jockey Club. I mean, these are all essentially races that were created in the last few years. But, um, we're not going to win any of them. <laughs> no, but you know, you have. Jockey Club Oaks Invitational, and you have uh, nine horses nominated. Nine nominated. Yeah, that's, that's not that's not entry. It's nominated. And we said that Conlim is out. So um, the Jockey Club Derby Invitational. It's a million dollar race. Winning, you're in Breeders' Cup Turf Division, right? It's got ten nominated. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's good horses, but it's it's. You know, these are five and six horse fields. What are we really doing here? I mean, the Bernard Baruch the other day was. Oh man, that was that was atrocious. It was. Uh, I mean, for Chuck, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scratched into a seven forty winner. Uh, An easy sixteen dollar exact, a straight yeah. cold punch number, but um. You know, it, it was was hardly a, it was hardly something to be proud of. And we have too many stakes in this country, and that, that's just the truth of it. There's too many stake races. There's not enough good horses, and they're all concentrated in the same hands. And and you go back in the day, you listen. It wasn't like, and this is the one thing I think that people misunderstand is that yes, there was there was short horse stakes in the old days. Um, Secretary's Belmont, I think it was a five horse field. I yeah, was looking, but uh, I was looking at Forgo's <laughs> record, and then there was quite a few times where he didn't run against big fields either, because of course you had to run against four too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that was, that'd be a disservice. Uh, spectacular bid got to the point where people, you know, you go back to the Woodward, the 1980 Woodward, no one showed up against right, it. Right, it was a walkover. But, you know, by the end of the year, people were tired of racing us because they know they had no shot of beating him. Um, but, uh, now we've got to the point where it's not just the stake races are short, all the races are short and, and the stake races in particular, they're just, there's just such an overlap of the same races being run all over the country that there's just not enough horses to fill them. And I know it's, it's not an easy thing to get people to postpone or cancel stake races but um it's a, it's another opportunity where we're you know 
pattern of races would, would make a lot of sense. I mean, we've talked about the idea of the Breeders' Cup setting up a, a uh, you know, from maybe May, May on of having a, a Breeders' Cup uh, enhanced special races, not winning your in. The winning your in thing is great for owners who own those side of horses, but most of those people are real wealthy anyways. Who cares if they get a free plane ride? Who cares? I mean, I get it's a Breeders' Cup, right? But yeah. if you want to make it a championship event, then championship events have regular seasons too. It could be done. It takes creative thinking and it would take money. But I just think that um, it's just like, I guess, think about it like when you think of the derby preps, right? Mm-hmm. Grade one prep for a grade one race. Like the Derby and the Preakness and the Belmont should be like grade 1A, right? The Travers should be like grade 1A. The Haskell should be like grade 1A. Um, you know, there's certain stakes that are just more important than other stakes, right? I mean, for Philly, yeah. three-year-old Philly sprinters, the test. For for uh, three-year-old Colt sprinters, the, uh, the Allen Jerkins. I mean, these are – the Allen Jerkins is a bigger race than the Amsterdam. Um, True, and there just should be some sort of progression, right? A lead up. I mean, it, it only seems natural, like logical, a national progression, right? To get to the Breeders' Cup from this point A to 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 whatever. And someday I'm going to sit down and put it on paper, but please do because I'm sure if somebody could actually see how it could work, it might benefit somebody i think it would benefit racing in general yeah it would benefit um well you would get I, I think it would benefit. Races, make them more meaningful and then you could shrink the rest and you know kind of make them overnight handicaps i mean well, i think at know. some point like we're gotten we got into the to the the place where even winning some of these stakes just isn't as big of a deal as it, it would be. No, it's and, too easy. Everybody's got a stake win. <laughs> it seems. I just think a, a hierarchy of stakes and a a pattern. And that's what that's what that's what the graded stake system was. It was it was copied after the pattern races of, of Europe. And um, I think that uh, that we could we could televise it. We could capitalize on it. And well, you also would know like where horses would show up. The Breeders' Cup road to the, you know, the road to the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, you would know who would show up where. I mean, now it's kind of like a guessing game. It's like maybe, but then maybe again, we'll just train up. But I know back in the mid '90s, you knew, you kind of knew, had a good idea where horses were going to run next. And, and put it this way: if if you have okay. Uh, and, and some classes, obviously, it's not going to affect the three-year-old stakes. They're, they're going to stay what they are. Um, uh, but, like, when you look at, you know, say, Philly Sprinters, if there's a race in Kentucky, there's a race in New York, and there's a race in California the same week, or, just, or, or within two weeks of each other, one should be an A race, one should be a B race, one should be a C race. And that's just the way it is. I mean, people fly horses all over nowadays. It's not like a big deal. It's not like a new thing. Guys race all over the place. East Coast guys go west 
West Coast guys go East. It just, it, it's not like this is, I mean, if Texas got their plane back, it would make it a lot easier, but uh, it's not the big deal it was 25, 30 years ago. So <clears throat> give the horses who may not be up to running in a grade one, maybe they just broke their mate, maybe they just won, you know, maybe they, they only have two starts and you're not wanting to throw them to the wolves right away. You know, give them a, a place to run too, but for the for the more accomplished horses, there should be a, a a a best race of that division, a, a race where you're going to be rewarded, um, and and you know create bonuses, create incentives, create re- reasons to to want to run in those races. The Derby point system came out again, and you know everybody talked about <laughs> Baffert point, but you're doing a disservice to the early season preps, Churchill Downs. Yeah, that, that it's so you glaring. Have to, you have to fix it. It's 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 not good. It's not good when half your horses are disgraceful when they run terrible. You had a bunch of horses this year that did not deserve to be in. They shouldn't be in. They're giving way too many points. Just because you own Turfway doesn't mean that 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 sham of a, a, a Derby prep should be a hundred point race. My God, if it wasn't for Animal Kingdom, it, it, it would be a not a stellar list of, of Derby runners. Animal Kingdom wasn't wasn't two years ago. It's getting further and further behind in the rearview mirror. Hmm. How can the Southwest be worth ten points? And and the the whatever the hell they call it a turquoise worth a hundred nuts. So whatever you call it, <laughs> steak steaks. Yeah. There'll be time to there'll be time to discuss that in the future. Nobody cares about that right now. But in the spring, yeah, we're we're looking we're looking ahead to 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 PA such. The hot rod Charlie Invitational. <laughs> yeah, because everybody's training up to the Breeders' Cup, so you know. We won't see anybody until <laughs> until then. Another another reason to have a road to the Breeders' Cup. Right. They keep horses running. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Racing is in such a I don't know what it is lately. But it's been in such a pat ourselves on the back mode. Yeah, they need to stop that shit because, you know. Like, I get handles up, but I said on Twitter today. But is it really? You know, exactly. (laughs) If it's up, but it's all 90% of it's, 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 it's CAW money, then what do, you know, that's not really all that beneficial <laughs> you know tracks don't make very much on it the the it, it messes with the players the real actual human players and the purses don't go up much you know so it's um it's a it's an issue that doesn't exist anywhere else right i mean like the nfl ratings are a big deal right attendance and ratings and attendance 
it's tickets sold, not how many people are actually showing up to the games. Right. If they have if they have a seventy five thousand seat stadium and seventy two thousand seats are sold and forty four thousand people show Shut up, up. doesn't matter. I still got seventy two thousand tickets sold. Ratings matter, of course, because you know the primary driver of money is uh, is the television network contracts, and of course they they do a lot of merchandising as well. But they don't have that problem, right? I mean, that's a racing specific issue. Uh, a casino, <laughs> they don't have computer players playing slots, right? Kick <laughs> them know? out. It's it's um, it's a racing. It's a unique problem to racing, and uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. You know, we should kick them all. You know, kick out all the those players. I'm not saying that, but I like what Naira did about cutting them off two minutes before post and the win uh, pools because the win pools are obviously the most watched pool is in that it's obvious what a horse's price is versus what an exacta price is and when the exacta price goes down you might not notice it nearly as much as when the horse is you know, 9 to 2 loading in the gate and they cross the wire and they're 7 to 5 I mean you can't miss that but um, I don't it is what it is. Don't say that. It is what it is. So the sales started today. Yes, I saw, noticed, and there's uh, quite a few RNAs. Big money RNAs too. Yeah, there's always RNAs. Yeah. No, that's or, that's, that's part of the game. 30, right, probably thirty percent are going to be not RNAs. But you know, people. Some people have Plus, a a idea that their horse is worth more money than they can get. Right, you know? they're over overvaluing. And of those, probably ninety five percent of those people are wrong. Probably ninety percent of the horses bought today uh, for big money probably won't turn out. I mean, the fillies are still fillies, and they got pedigree there. They still have a lot of potential of getting that people's money back. And that, that's one thing people forget. The real lottery ticket is a stallion, right? You buy a call. You can sell them for a stallion for a big ticket, right? I mean, you can sell them for a lot of money. Um, a really well-bred filly, of course, is going to be a potential broodmare, whether she races, whether she doesn't race, whether she wins, whether she doesn't win. Uh, the pedigree is is what matters there, um, and if your confirmation was really bad, you probably wouldn't be in an early book, despite the pedigree. So, right. you know, at least with a, a, a filly, you have that potential of, um, you know, becoming a, a broodmare. I mean, some fillies, just based on what they're worth, you know, based on their pedigree now, they they might be worth uh, a similar number as a broodmare. Not always, but and, and of course, if, if a filly's pedigree can get uh, can get really enhanced by the family, someone in the family, the immediate family winning, I mean, you know, your half brother goes and wins a grade one, all of a sudden your filly's worth a whole lot more than she was. That happened with a filly I bought, a filly named Genuine Devotion. Hmm. We bought for 90000 out of book one. She was by uh, Rock of Gibraltar, first crop of Rock of Gibraltar. 
And I mean, the average for the day was like 300 and we got her for 90. She wasn't, she wasn't huge. She was, you know, big enough and she turned out to be a grade three winner, but uh, the owner wound up selling her for a million dollars of the broodmare because her half brother, who was her younger brother, was a horse named Master Craftsman, and he wound up becoming, uh, I think, named three-year-old of the year or horse of the year in Europe. Yes, so I remember. All, all of a sudden, she's she's not that you know grade three winner anymore. She's a grade three winner that's the half to a you know horse of the year. So uh, he did very well. Sold her for a million bucks, which was twice as much money as all the horses that guy bought the the year that we bought her. So. Damn. That's kind of, you know, the, the end. People, you know, are going to look at horses that are bought for big money and then see how much they earn in the racetrack. But there's other ways of, of looking at it. It's just like um, when Brendan Walsh ran the maiden Philly in the race to Saratoga, was it uh, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And she finished uh, second, right? Uh Yep, the Chad Brown horse went to the lead and walked the dog. And I mean, that filly is now graded stakes place, grade two stakes placed. So she increased her value way more than than the purse uh, that she won because she's now a grade you know grade stakes placed filly, and and uh, those are more valuable than non graded stakes placed fillies. So so that's something to remember, but. Uh, you know, the odds are that there'll be more good horses bought next week than than this week. I don't know if I could say that, but there'll be plenty of good horses bought next week. Most of these big million-dollar horses are busts. And we've talked about, you know, the reasons why they are, but uh, but they are. But, you know, and the numbers will bear that out. <laughs> Always do. And they show up in a Thirty-five thousand dollar claimer. Well, how how many weeks did we do the, the our little uh, recap of the stakes race, the greatest stake races, and and say how much um, they were bought for? And for a while, it seemed that the majority of horses that weren't homebreds were bought for cheap on the day, less than than uh, you know what you would expect. So that that alone, I mean. Some organization in racing, whether it be the sales companies, whether it be horsemen's organizations, whether it be owner organizations, whether it be the racetracks or some combination, they, they should, every time that happens, they should be blasting advertising. Hey, this horse was a, the, the, look at the horse, the Learjet, right? He was bought for, I think, 10 or 11,000 pounds. Yeah, short money. A couple times. So, <clears throat> um, you know, when he was sold as a non, you know, young horse, as, as a racing prospect, uh, he's, you know, a great example of a horse that, um, you know, you could have bought for a reasonable amount of money, probably roughly 15,000 American dollars and uh, made a lot more than that. So hmm. that should be something that, that's promoted, but it just isn't. It just isn't. It just isn't. I mean, and most of the promotions in this business come from tracks promoting uh, jackpot wagers or graded uh-huh. stakes, or it 
comes from like stallion farms that spend a lot of money to promote their stallions. And of course they want to promote the high sales, uh, you know, babies and they want to promote the stake runners, which is that's their business. But, uh, you know, we see very, very little promotion of something like, uh, you know, a, a, a cheap or a, shouldn't say cheap, a, uh, uh, inexpensive inexpensive uh, yeah yeah on the lower end i'm looking for a word um i can't think of, of affordable 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 an affordable horse turns out to be a graded stakes horse now i mean what would be more of a boost to a to get a person involved in the owning horses than that yeah. so i think sometimes people get intimidated by but when they see those big numbers and they think there's a well you know right there's a ceiling i, I got some disposable income that can get involved in this and it's really not true if you do your due diligence and you know these bargains out there you're wrong Just, and it, it's not like you know like I, i've said this I don't. I don't think you should just go out and buy a bunch of five thousand dollar yearlings. And no, you're going to hit big time because you're probably going to buy a bunch of five thousand dollar horses. But um, you don't need to spend a million dollars to find a good horse. I mean, look at the horse that won the the North American Cup, the Trotters, the other day. Yeah, twenty thousand dollar yearling owned by a lady who's got ten starts at or eight starts at Mohawk this this year. Eight. She had one win, eight starts. She won a million dollar race with twenty thousand dollar yearling. It can happen. I mean, it's it's not like it's. Uh, it happens a lot. I mean, it happens a lot. Comparatively, <laughs> so somebody out there that works for some kind of group or that's getting paid to do this, we just gave you an idea. Try to use it. We'll see. We got to keep tabs. They like to steal our stuff. It's happened, but. I mean, it would be beneficial to everyone. I, I, I just don't see the downside, you know, and, and most of the time, um, you know, you're giving boosts to people and connections and, and stallions and and, and uh, that maybe aren't, you know, the big guys, the big numbers, the big names. And, and that's beneficial because as this game gets, as the gap widens between the haves and have nots, the problems were going to get worse. The worse, and it'll be harder to fill races. It's hard now. It's hard now. So that's our contribution to the to the business. An idea. All right, let's go. Everybody, bring your hands in. On three. <laughs> Cheap horses. <laughs> sick of listening to me so you got anything else Barry got anything you want to get off your chest um two things in addition to being the sniper I am the thesaurus and I'm looking forward to going head to head in the fantasy basketball league of life oh that's right uh, Joe Christofek sent me a yes his brother, the commissioner, Dan, sent me the email. Yes, sir. 
I'm about to get serious here. Gonna be. <laughs> What's your team name? <laughs> I don't know yet. I I'll come up with that. That should be a. Where's Papa B's? Have him. He's usually get some good suggestions. Oh, you gotta you gotta solicit him on Twitter. I'll be up at three o'clock in the morning looking at assists to 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 turnover ratios of backup point guards. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fun oh, I mean, yeah. it's not that far away it's great. no October 19th it's not that far away it's oh wait, the, the draft takes about four days yeah well but it's it's a it's a it's man it's it's nuts but it's cool it's funny but um yeah it's pretty good I got no fantasy football teams this year. I got no survivor pools. I got oh, no so you're all in, man. You're all in. I got in. nothing. And nothing to distract. Don't take any bulls. Just leave those to Joe. Leave the bulls to Joe. He can have them. The bulls are overvalued in this league. The Chicago bias. They stink. All of them. I like Patrick Williams, though. Yeah, he can play. He's good. It's a couple. You can get a gem. Late round flyer on Bull Bull. That's right. Taco. Taco's my first round pick. Come on. When are they going to let Bull Bull play? Come on. Turn Unleash him loose. The, unleash the bull. Come on, Mike Malone. Turn him loose. He's a seven foot three point guard, bro. Dynamo. He's a dynamo. Yeah, it'll be cool. Um, that's about all I got. That's all I got. Got nothing. Got nothing, Rock. <laughs> what do you mean, Mick? That's my Rocky imitation, just so you know. It was pretty good. <laughs> I actually knew what you are talking about, which is kind of... See? <laughs> I think we, yeah, I just think you've known me for too long, so you know how my head works sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You haven't gone to the Rocky reference very often, though. No, I I haven't gone to the the Rocky left-handed stick. Oh, yeah, Patriots fans. (laughs) You lost. (laughs) (laughs) I live in Florida now. Oh, the guy fumbled. Listen, you got a gift touchdown. Oh, man, they were crying on my Ridiculous, oh. ridiculous call on the sack. Ridiculous. Oh, they're, they're they they gave you a touchdown. Ridiculous. Moral victory, I saw. I saw a lot of moral victories going around about that game. Belichick's like 15-3 and three in season openers. Mac and cheese didn't get it done. I'm not going to taunt the Bills fans because uh, their Bills are they're actually pretty good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about your luck, Jets. <laughs> Oh man, they suck. Hey, that's the way it goes. Atlanta might not win a game. Swift called it. He did. He said he said his team stinks. And they uh they, they lived up to that. I see one of their linemen got pro football focus grades every player. <laughs> got a double F. 
and it's on a one to a hundred scale. <laughs> Don't tell me you got like a four. One of their tackles got a one point four. <laughs> oh my god! It's not the guy that I clowned on on Facebook, was it? I don't, I might that guy been. Mayfield. No. Oh yeah, yeah, need... yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy Mayfield. One point four. Yeah, he's like, yo, if you need your quarterback protected. Take a me guy for Arizona got five sacks and forced two fumbles, and the guy who was blocking him got a higher score. <laughs> Bro. Chandler Dolan Jones had a season in a game, five sacks and two forced fumbles, and that guy who blocked him got a higher grade, one point four out of a hundred. Mm. That's rough. Oh man, that means you did nothing right all day. Even if they're a little low, it's still. <laughs> I wish horse players could get grades like that. Oh my god, dudes would go nuts. <laughs> Your betting sucks. You get a one point four. <laughs> you know, I admit when my betting sucks. Yeah, I, how I can think, you not? I, I mean, I guess, it, you know, we're not trying to proof. sell anything, so so I guess yeah. like you know, but some of the people that go on Twitter and brag about like. I don't know, man. <laughs> three sixty winners, three dollars sixty cents. No, and they play like a, a seventy-two dollar pick four, and, and it pays one hundred and nine. You know, like great, you just turn four races into a, 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 a three to five shot, <laughs> three to five. <laughs> like, 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 that was good. Like, why would you say that? I mean, I guess somebody must buy picks, right? I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think there's hey, listen, a lot more than you can sell your picks. Buy. God bless you. I, I think I there's nothing more. There's just so I many people so. doing it. It's like they have to. Somebody's got to be buying them at least once, trying them out. Trying to sell, but and I, and I wouldn't knock anybody that does it. You know, would never. I mean. You know, if that's what you feel you you need to make, whatever, then so be it. But um, it's just bizarre to me how many there are out there and who's buying them. It's like, got. I would, see, I would I would go to the track right, and I'd see people buy like Clock or Lawton and a Lawton. Right, that was my grandfather was the Lawton man. Those orange right. fucking sheets, and you'd always kind of look at them people like side eye, right? And I used to look at it because he used to buy it like religiously, the, the Lawton. And I used to look at it and be like, the orange. They had a couple winners, you know, nothing, nothing to write home about. But they he were, they were the favorite race. You're going to have one right. out of the three. Yeah. And that's usually what it was. It was that, that probably. Like, to me, the, the, the part about handicapping that's appealing is odds, but. Um, it's being right. Right. You know, it's the validation of, of your it's, opinion. It's, right. It's, it's about trying to figure something out and being right about it. And sometimes, you know what? You get lucky and you're, you're not 100% right, but you still cash. Right. Oh, and that's like, those that's are the times. The story of my life. When I cash the <laughs> ticket and, I, and I'll like say to myself, well, you know. Got some assist there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got an assist. Yep. I mean, that's. Well, I mean, I, myself personally is that's how i kind of structure my 
pick four, pick five, pick sixes is to allow for that. You know, what I want to do is pick the, the races that I, I have a, a distinct opinion and then try to fall into something wacky in races that I think have, you know, just high chaos factor. And I can't tell you how many times where I've fallen into horses that were 20, 30 to one that um, I necessarily wouldn't have played to win. So it's just one of those things where you got to kind of pick and choose your battles, you know, you know, have an opinion, but it makes all the difference. I hear you. Well, we will uh, we will definitely con- reconvene next Monday. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. I got some stuff going on, trying to get things sorted out. Yeah, microphone check one two. Might actually buy microphones <laughs> <laughs> and a proper setup. Be professionals. Be pros. Down. I'm down with that. Pros and Joes. <laughs> Remember that show? Yeah. That was the greatest. Especially when they play football. Yeah. So, uh, so we will be back next week. Yes, we if anyone will. has any, any comments, any kind of criticism. I, I miss the, the one guy that used to, to call me out all the time. Yeah, he's laying low. He, oh. he listens, so you know he's going to be back. Maybe he's just waiting for you to say something really controversial. Going in circles podcast at gmail.com. Send it in. It, it, to it, borrow a phrase from Gabe Pruitt, send it in. Yeah, Pompano released the dates. Yeah, 100. Yeah, I'm definitely going more than once. There's a guy, there's a guy, is it Woodbine or Mohawk? Mobine? You're def- yeah, you're definitely better than that guy. <laughs> right. I haven't even, I haven't no, even I, I've never propped up in a bike yet. Yeah, you're, you're definitely, you're, you're star. That, that guy on the pro football focus with that guy, he'd get like a one. Yeah. <laughs> You already give him a grade, huh? Yeah, yeah. Three sixty two. Ooh, he's about long size. I'm sorry, like <sighs> that's just crazy. Anyways, we'll sign off, and uh, like I said, comments, any suggestions, any ideas, give us a call. Give us a uh, an email or a hit t- us up on Twitter at uh, Cannon Shell. Urban. We want to hear from you, even the people that knock us. Yeah, funny, but it's yeah. kind of funny though. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes people have valid points. Like we're willing to listen, always. All right, we'll see you we'll see you next week. Thanks everyone for listening.
Hey everyone, welcome to the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, I'm the host of the Going in Circles Podcast Network. My co-host on the Big Monday Show, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us momentarily. It was kind of a quiet weekend this past weekend uh, in racing, especially stakes action outside of uh, Kentucky Downs. Not a whole lot going on with the big summer meets Del Mar and Saratoga descending. Belmont's opening this week. We got uh, quite a bit of turf action coming up, and uh, the sniper and I will will discuss this and many other things. We'll be back in just a minute. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to for free. The Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview. Um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there, various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or, or racing history. This last week we did a piece on the great Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which unfortunately was the the pinnacle of his career. But um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at PleasantAcreStallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. 